Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
take my life. My life is yours. Take it all. Would you stand with me as we worship our holy, wonderful, awesome God with the song, Holy, Holy, Holy.
majesty. He's worthy of praise. He sits on highest, the King of kings. This song is, reminds us a song of praise. Let's sing together.
the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone overcome. Two more times. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, everyone Our voices now and Savior, worthy of honor and glory, worthy of all of our the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
Thank you, Juliet, for that special music. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 24. And the subject of the new walk. After coming to Christ, after experiencing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, uh, we should be different. We should be a new creature in Christ. And Paul makes that very clear in this passage of Scripture. So as you're turning there to Ephesians chapter 4, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you again for the time that you've given us to lift up our hearts and our voices to you, the opportunity to give. And now as we spend this time in your word, Lord, I I just pray that you would... uh, stir our hearts about are we truly living out this this new walk are we walking in you are we still uh, in the flesh are we still allowing the flesh to dominate our life and when we don't have to Lord because we have been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ and so Lord I pray that would stir our hearts but I know I've got some friends here today that don't yet know you as Savior and Lord some of those are older folks some of those are younger folks but they know who they are right now they know they're lost And right now, I pray the Holy Spirit would convict them of that condition and help them to recognize that that they can come to you, that they can come into a relationship with you, and that, Lord, they don't have to clean themselves up because they can't, that you will come in and you will do the cleaning up. But that can't take place until they have that relationship with you. Only then can they begin this new walk that we'll be talking about this morning. And so, Lord, I just, uh, I pray for your word to, to, to touch every heart and every life in the way that it needs to this morning. For all of us to recognize that we're here by divine appointment with you. Lord, uh, hide me behind the cross now that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In the first phrase here in verse 17, you're going to notice that there is a word that beckons us to actually focus our attention backward and it's the word that you'll notice is therefore in verse 17 and again as I've told you many many times anytime we come into scripture and we see that word therefore we have to ask ourselves what's it there for and so this word calls our minds back to what Paul has been teaching us about our high calling in Jesus Christ because we have been given all the benefits that were mentioned in verses 1 through 16 We are not to be like the lost pagan Gentiles in the world around us. We are not to look like everybody else. So what are these benefits that Paul talks about? Well, our calling to salvation by grace through faith, he mentions there in verses 1 through 3. Our unity in the body of Christ, he mentions in verses 3 through 6. Our unique gifting by the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord and his church for his glory, he mentioned to us in verses 7 through 10. And our being built up through the ministries of gifted individuals within the church, he mentioned to us in verses 11 through 16 last week. So because... We have been given all these advantages and made the partakers of such gifts from God. We are to walk in a manner that is different from the world around us. And so that's what Paul begins to address for us this morning. If you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. And let's look at verses 17 through 24 together this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. This I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversations the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You may be seated. So this new walk. That Paul speaks about. The first thing I want you to see is he calls us there in verses 17 through 19 to be different. Be different. We who have been saved are no longer to live as we used to live. We're no longer who we used to be. We are a new creature in Jesus Christ. 
And as a result of the new birth, we are not what we used to be. And we can no longer live like we used to live. We have been changed and thus we are different from the world around us. Paul's challenge here is to mark the differences between the children of God and the children of the devil or the children of the world. And so we are to mark those distinctions between the saved and the lost and we are to be different. And so here Paul notes three specific problems that plague the lost. The first thing that plagues the lost is that there is a problem with their heads. He says there in verse 17, Paul says the lost walk in the vanity of their minds. The word vanity means futility, emptiness, that which is, is wasted on nothing. You see, because the lost live empty lives because their minds are corrupted by the inborn sin that dwells within them. Thus, every thought is corrupted by evil. The lost mind invents ways to serve the flesh or the selfish desires of the mind. The lost mind invents false gods. The lost mind invents false religions and false philosophies that are designed to showcase men's brilliance. And yet the inventions of the lost mind are empty of anything helpful. And they are ultimately damning to the soul of man. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In another passage, Paul writes in Romans 1, 28, he, he tells the, us that the lost possess a reprobate mind. That refers to a depraved mind. That word that's described there is, 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 is what's described as metal that was tested and then rejected by the refiners because it was impure. And that's what it, was, it speaks of is that word depraved. The word came from the meaning of useless and worthless. And so the unbeliever has a problem in his or her mind. His mind is depraved and it is incapable of producing anything that is useful. And so because we are saved, we are to be different. But also we see the problem, there's a problem with their hearts, we see in verse 18. Paul says, their understanding is darkened and they are alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That word blindness refers to stubbornness. It speaks of a heart confronted with truth, but refuses to then come and embrace that truth. And so it is what Paul refers to in Romans 1.18 when he mentions those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The word hold in that verse means to oppress. It speaks of those who hear the truth and they know the truth, but who refuse to acknowledge and then embrace the truth. And so because of the stubbornness of their hearts, they are then separated from the life that could have been theirs in Jesus Christ. And they remain trapped in the darkness and in the depravity of their present condition. And so whether we like it or not, the lost are dead in their trespasses and sins. He doesn't say that they are sick in their trespasses and sins. They are literally, spiritually dead and the human race did not merely get sick when Adam sinned. We are told very, very clearly by Paul in Romans 5, 12, that we are not sick in our sin, that we are dead in our sin. And so it's a much bigger problem than an illness. It is death. And in that dead and depraved state, the lost live for nothing but to gratify the lust of the flesh and of the mind. And in this state, their understanding is darkened, we're told. The lost live in a continuing state of spiritual darkness and ignorance toward the things of God. Thus, since they are dead, they are unresponsive to the things of God. You go up to a, 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 a dead man in one of our funeral homes and, and you ask him to do something. He, he's not just having trouble responding. He's dead. He can't do anything. He's not going to get better on his own because he's dead. And there's nothing that's going to help that state other than God bringing a resurrection to him. A dead man is different than a sick man. And we are told that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. They are like a cold, immovable corpse which can never feel or heal or think. They're dead because they are alienated 
from the life of God. They are unmoved by the truth. They are unfazed by the matters of right and wrong. They love the dark and they pursue the works of darkness. And some of us right now are scratching our heads at some of the things that people are doing around us in this culture. But the reason they're doing it is because they are dead. They cannot understand the things of God. And we say, why do they act that way? Because they are dead. And they do not understand Jesus Christ or his ways or his church. And so because we are saved, we are to be different. Because we are saved, the very life of God defines us and it empowers us. We are not dead to the truth. But we love the truth. We long to live the truth out on a daily basis. We are not in the darkness as the world is. But we walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1, 7. We are not like them. And so we must not be like them. But there is a problem with their hands as well. We see there in verse 19. There is a problem with their hands. Because the lost are dead, they are said to be past feeling. That phrase means that they have lost their sense of pain. It is used in the same sense as a leper who would suffer the horrible disfigurement and loss of fingers and toes and extremities because of, of, of their inability to feel pain. And so things would happen to their fingers and their toes or their nose or their ears, and they couldn't feel it. And so those wounds would fester, and they would, they would cause that part of the body to literally rot off because they couldn't feel pain. And the lost sinner commits his life to evil. And as he does, he loses his sensitivity then towards sin, the pain of sin. And this leads them to ever-deepening levels of wickedness. This attitude towards life says, I will do what I please, when I please, with whom I please, and I don't care what anyone else thinks about it. That's the state that our world is in today. I don't care is what we are told. It's a life given up and over to sin. Thus the sinner works all uncleanliness, it says. The word work means to work hard, to take pains, to do your best. And that is what they're doing towards sin. Uncleanness speaks of impurity and rottenness. And so it's the idea that this lost person, they're not just sinning, but they're working hard at their sinning. He gives himself actively to the, to the, to the pursuit of rottenness. He does his best to be as bad as he can possibly be. And what an accurate description that is of the world around us right now and why we don't understand it. The lost all around us work themselves to death to pursue their pleasures, never realizing that their wickedness and their corruption is doing nothing but increasing their guilt in the eyes of a holy, holy, holy God. And so they are past feeling and they don't care. And they do all of this, Paul says, with greediness. That simply means that he does what he does for self-gratification. In other words, he is his own God and he lives in order to worship himself. His worship of self involves gratifying all the base evil desires of the flesh and of the mind. They give themselves over to the lusts that drive them. They do it for their own benefits, never realizing that they're endless pursuit of wickedness will end with them in hell for all of eternity and that is how the lost live praise God the saints are different and so the second thing he speaks of here is he says to be discerning there in verses 20 and 21 be discerning while we are to avoid being like the lost we are to strive to be like the Lord having told us what what, what should, we should not be, Paul now teaches us what we should be. And he begins with, Christ is our example. Christ is our example. The lost are motivated by the lust of the flesh, but we are motivated by the Lord. Paul holds Jesus Christ up against the backdrop of all of this sinfulness that we see around us and the wickedness of this lost world. And, he con and the contrast here could not be greater. And so the phrase learned Christ refers to being saved. And when you were saved, you learned Christ. You, you were introduced to him. And as we have said time and time again, 
when, we are, when he saved us, he radically changed us as well. He made us like himself and delivered us from being like the world around us. And so fulfilling the sins of the flesh is no longer our creed and our standard of living. Now Jesus Christ is. He is our example. And so we are not to allow the flesh and its base wicked desires to control us any longer. But now we are to take Jesus for our example and we are to walk in holiness and in newness of life. And so when a person claims to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior and still lives like the world around them, they are either deceiving themselves or they are simply a liar. And listen to what the Lord tells us in Scripture here. James 4, 4, he says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith... He abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Church, the born-again believer strives to be like Jesus. And this results in a life that is pleasing to the Father and one that emulates Jesus Christ to the world around us. And so it is the fulfillment of Philippians 2.5, which says, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. But also we see here that Christ is our educator. Christ is our educator. The redeemed are no longer ignorant and trapped in the death and the delusions of their sin. The redeemed have heard his voice and they have been taught his truth. They have been brought out of death and into life. They have been placed on a different path and they have been taught. And as a result, they have been changed by the power of God. So when Christ came to us, he brought with him knowledge and truth. And he taught us the truth about God himself, his spirit, heaven, hell, sin, salvation, life, death, grace, faith, righteousness, eternity, judgment, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, creation, history, and everything else that matters. He taught us all. We are no longer in the dark. Now we walk in the light. Jesus has taught us truth, and his truth has made us free. 1 John 5.20 tells us, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And so we are to be different from a lost world around us. We are to be discerning and learn all that we can from the Lord Jesus Christ. But then lastly, I want you to see there in verses 22 through 24, we are to be decisive. Since we have been changed by the power of God and since we have been taught the truth about God and Christ, we are to make some active changes in our own lives. Three actions that Paul mentions here in these verses to put off, to be renewed, and to put on. Those are not commands for the believer. They are actually statements of fact. These are things that should be actively going on in each and every one of our lives. Each of these statements refers to what the Lord is doing in each and every saved man, woman, boy, and girl. We're reminded of what He did so that we can take every step to ensure that each of these conditions are actively being portrayed in our lives. That these are active realities in our lives on a day-by-day basis. And so the first is there is something to be, there is something to renounce there in verse 22. There is something to renounce. The phrase put off literally means to strip away. It's the image of, of taking off clothes. The old man is dirty and corrupt and filthy. He was stripped off when we came to Christ. 
and we are to be sure that he remains stripped off. The old man of sin remains alive and well within each and every one of us. He is deceitful and he's filled with lust and he is ever growing more corrupt. The old nature is like a corpse that is rotting in the sun. It grows more vile and more evil and more wicked every single day. And if we are not careful, he will enslave us to our old habits and ways of living that the Lord delivered us from when he saved us. We have been set free, and so we need not go back into the prison cell. The Romans were known, you know, for, for horrible, uh, torturous practices and execution. And the Romans were known to take murderers, and they would stake them to the ground. And they would then place the body of the victim whose life they had taken on top of them, face to face, hand to hand, foot to foot. And as that corpse rotted, the corruption from that dead body would eat into the murderer, destroying their life. And that's the way the flesh operates. Its depravity eats into our lives. And if we are not careful, if we do not keep it under control, it will destroy our lives. We must be decisive each day and reckon the old man dead to sin, but ourselves alive in God through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, there is something to renew. Look there at verse 23. The lost sinner has a mind that is given over to vanity or futility. The sinner's mind gives itself over to the things that are empty of value and result in judgment and in hell. The saint of God, on the other hand, is to walk with a renewed mind. When the Lord saved us, he made us alive in Christ. We are dead to our sins. We are now alive in Christ. Part of that new life involves renewing our mind. Our dead minds were given over to vanity They've now been made alive in Christ, and we're now able to have a new way of thinking and acting. We're to walk each day having our minds renewed by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. The fact that God literally changed our minds when he saved us gives us the ability to live different lives from the world around us. The Christian life literally begins in the mind. That's why we talk so much about, about what comes into our eyes and our ears, what, what we allow to be placed in front of us, because the mind controls so much. When the thinking is changed, the life is changed. And so when our minds are set on things above and not on the things of this world, our lives will follow in the direction of our mind. So we have to change what is on our mind. Romans 12, 2, he tells us what to strive for. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're told to get control of our thought life, of what goes into our head because our minds will change the directions of our lives. And so we, if we could ever get our minds right, then our, our lives will be right. And so... It is our thinking that either sets us on the right path or puts us on the path to serious trouble in our lives. And in the end, everything comes back to how you think about it. If the mind is right, the rest of the life will follow the course set by that mind. And so the mind of the lost man will lead him to ever further ways of pushing God away and ever deepening sin in his life. And we think about the things that the lost focus on in their lives. It's certainly not godly. It's certainly not, not something that would be edifying. It's things that, that tear down. It's things that only build up self but they tear down others. The mind of the saved man, however, will lead him ever closer to God and ever deepening holiness. The more time that your mind is set on the things of God's word, the more you will not live for self, the more you will live to honor and glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your mind needs to be on this, not on the things of the world. And so we must be decisive to take control of our minds. Listen to what the Bible says. Uh, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, he says, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Philippians 4, 8. There is something about renewing the mind that changes everything, but also there is something to reveal. Look at verse 24. Just as we are to strip off the old man of sin, we are to put on the new man who is created in righteousness and in true holiness. This new holy man was born in us when we were saved and when he was created, we were given the ability to live lives that are pleasing now to the Lord. And when he saved us, he made us a new creature. And that new creature loves the Lord and he loves the things of God and he desires to serve the Lord and he has been empowered to walk in the will of the Lord for the glory of God. Our responsibility is to let that man out, to let that man live. Paul says that the new man, which which after God is created, this phrase literally means that the new man was made in the likeness of God. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he marred the image of God in which he had been created. He passed his sin and warped nature down to all of us as his offspring. But when we were saved, we were recreated in the likeness of God himself. And so praise God, we are partakers now of the divine nature, according to 2 Peter 1.4. And this new man is literally Christ who lives in me. And so we are not yet perfect, but we have been changed. And we have been given all that we need to live lives of righteousness and of true holiness before the Lord. Thus we must actively yield ourselves to the Spirit of the Lord within us and allow Him to walk in us day by day. We must no longer walk in the rags of sin. We must decisively put off the old man of sin and put on the new man who is made in the likeness of God. And so this morning, I've got some questions for you. How are you doing in the business of being different and discerning and decisive? Can you honestly say that you're living a life that is different from the world around you? Can you honestly say that your life displays the Lord Jesus Christ to the world around you? Is, is, Is it a clear picture of who Jesus is? If you are like me, and you need help with your mind this morning. The place to find help is in the Lord. If you're like me and you need help putting off that old man day by day and putting on the new man, the place to find that help this morning is in the Lord. And if it has dawned on you this morning that you are still that old man because you are still trapped in your sin because you are lost and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I've got good news for you, my friend. The place to find that life in Jesus Christ is here this morning, and it is in the Lord. There are so many things that, that come from this verse. And there's not a person in this room who does not need to talk to the Lord about the truth contained in the passage of Scripture before us this morning. Not one of us that isn't, isn't touched by, by something here this morning. And so I invite you. Whatever it is the Lord has spoken to you about this morning, to get it right. If you're lost, get down here. As soon as, as, as the invitation is given, you get down here and you be saved today. And let us celebrate. We want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice in what God's done in your life. Maybe you know you've made a decision, but you haven't made that public yet. I invite you to come. Let us know. We want to celebrate with you. Maybe you want to join this church family. We want to celebrate with you. But I know some of us need to come to this altar. And we need, need to do some business with the Lord. If that's you... You come. You spend some time here. we got folks that would love to pray with you if you'd like for someone to pray with you. What's God calling you to do? If he's moved in your life, you move. You respond in obedience this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
We thank you for the, the new walk, this new life that you have brought to each and every one of us who are in relationship to you. Lord, I know that there have been decisions made today. I know that there's decisions that need to be made. And so, Lord, I just pray that folks would have, have the boldness to step forward and to say, you know what, God, I, I want to take care of that this morning. I want to respond to you in obedience. I don't want to just sit in a pew and, and, and soak it in. But I want to, to hear from you. And as I hear from you, I want to be obedient to how you've called to me, how you've spoken to me. And so, Lord, help us to do that this morning. Help us to see folks saved. Help us to see folks uh, answer in obedience to, to a number of different callings that you may have placed on their life. But I just pray that you would do the work that only you can do in our presence today. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.